0: I know, because you're so fancy and have to use words like cold open. I feel so official when I hear words like cold open. I'm like, wow, I know I'm part of something big now. I know. Fancy. You fancy. I made it in life. I made it. Okay. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Bundle of Hers. My name is Mariam Asadian. I am a second-year medical student at the University of Utah. If you're wondering why my voice doesn't sound familiar at all to you, it's because I have never been on this show. This is officially my first episode as part of the Identity Series, and I'm so, so excited. Today, we're going to be talking about assimilation, and I'm very excited to have our very own Harjeet Kaur at the guest of honor for our episode. Hi, Harjit, how are you? I'm so excited. I'm really
1: excited that I'm a guest on this episode, and I'm even more excited that you're a
0: bundle of hers. (laughs) So I wanted to do this topic with you because we've talked about this topic before. You know, I think when we first met, we talked a lot about, we talked about a lot of deep things, and one of those things was assimilation. And I think this is something that I wanted to cover because growing up first-generation, it's something that I felt a lot growing up, this pressure to assimilate, like I told you when I first met you. So my mom is from Afghanistan. My father is from Iran. We grew up in a small city in the what I call the middle of nowhere, Georgia. <laughs> um, but it was just middle Georgia. And it was a really interesting experience growing up. There was a lot of pressure to assimilate, even before I could really define what assimilation meant. It's something that I could feel before I could really put it into words. Assimilation to me felt like shame when my parents were speaking Farsi outside of the home. Fear when people asked my parents or me where we were from. This pressure to conform, even from a really young age, you start to realize that there is that pressure, especially in a place like the middle of nowhere, Georgia.
1: Yeah, Miriam, like, I think that even though I grew up in West Valley City, which is, you know, considered a quote unquote more diverse ethnically and racially diverse city in Utah, I still felt that pressure as well. So to me, assimilation means, you know, this aspiration towards whiteness, like how close we could get to become you know, white people. And you would think that that's kind of not the notion that you'd have when you're growing up with so many kids from different backgrounds, a lot of immigrants, first generation immigrants, you know, second generation immigrants, like, you would think that that's not something that's there. But it's definitely there. I remember learning the word assimilation when I was in college, actually, for my ethnic studies class. And I was oh my like, gosh, me too. <laughs> yeah. I was like, Oh, my gosh, that's exactly what I felt like. Like, I just felt like I had to be like everybody else, right? Like, I had to just be like everybody else, because it would make me feel the same. And I'd have the same happiness because I wasn't feeling happiness, right? Like, there was this constant pressure of like, you know, I'm different. And you know, when you're younger, being different is something that's scary not something that you should celebrate. Yeah,
0: I had a very similar experience. I don't think I ever like critically talked about the term assimilation or even like defined it until I got to college, right? I didn't know that there was like a name for the feeling essentially growing up there's this tendency to want to conform, right? Like you mentioned. And I think it's not just like about wanting to be the same as like everybody else. I mean, I think that's part of it, right? Like growing up, I wanted to pack similar school lunches like that my like classmates had, right? Yeah. And like not the like beautiful Persian meals that my grandmother like spent hours in the kitchen making. I was like, no, I want like a PB&J. I feel so much guilt for that now. So part of it was like wanting to fit in with my classmates and like my peers. And I think there's a natural tendency for That. But the more that I think about it, the more I realize that I assimilated a lot out of fear and a want for safety. Just even like thinking about, like going back to what I mentioned before, when people would ask like my parents where they were from, I just remember being like six or seven years old and associating Middle Eastern or being Muslim, because my family is predominantly Muslim, as bad. Right. Mm -hmm. And Just from a young age, like knowing that and feeling that like in my body, feeling that anxiety of when people asked, where are you from? And so as like I got older, as much as I'm like ashamed to admit this right now, as I got those questions growing up where I did, those were questions, first of all, that I tried to avoid. I didn't want people asking me where I was from. I didn't want people like asking like what languages we were speaking and things like that, because it went deeper than shame. It was fear, I was afraid people were not going to accept us. I was afraid that my family would be in danger if they weren't conforming. And you felt like people would see you differently and you didn't want in a sense that like less than. Right. Yes. I think that's something I think about a lot, too. Yeah. It's really interesting to experience that as a child, right? Because kind of going back, like we talked about how we were able to critically think about assimilation in college, right? We define it. But like as a child, it's such a, you know, surreal experience going through something that you can't even name. And that was... Something I didn't know how to talk about growing up. I thought that was just an accepted part of living. Uh, I didn't know what it was like to live with a community of other Middle Eastern or Muslim people because we didn't grow up around a a huge community or even a lot of our family members. And so that was really interesting. Definitely a very isolating feeling as well.
1: Did you, Miriam, when you were growing up in you say middle of nowhere Georgia you like paint a picture for me I've never been to Georgia like what does the community look like like what are activities done in the community things like that
0: you know so disclaimer I really should not Georgia's not all terrible (laughs) Georgia's actually a really fun place to be I obviously hold it very near and dear to my heart. But where I grew up, I grew up in a city called Warner Robins, Georgia. Um, I call it the middle of nowhere, Georgia. But in reality, you know, it was a small city. It was an Air Force town. Um, It was a very predominantly Christian city that was very obvious. It's, it's still very obvious. Like you, you drive like a mile down any road, you see a lot of different churches. So that's kind of like the dominant culture there, I think is, you know, Christianity, going to church on Sunday, and then going to lunch after was like such a huge tradition in the city that I grew up in. You know, knowing the people that you went to school with also went to your Sunday school, right? So okay. so like a lot of like that connection um, existed for, for us. So that's kind of what Warner Robbins is. Yeah, I think that kind of paints a picture.
1: And like when I think about assimilation, I know that there's a lot of different categories of assimilation, right? Like there's are you assimilating to the language? Are you assimilating to the way you dress up, are you assimilating to what you eat? Are you assimilating to what you carry in the world? And even though, again, I grew up in West Valley, I think it's interesting because my assimilation was a lot in education and the way I presented myself. Yeah. And how I felt like it would allow me to, quote unquote, get a place in higher education, right? Yeah. You know, that's not the first thing that I think of when I think of assimilation, but I think that's kind of where we felt and it makes sense our generation i will say is doing better now with not assimilating as much granted a lot of the you know things that you can see are more accepted right like it's cool to eat ethnic food yeah. it's cool to dress ethnic it's cool to talk ethnic now you know the way the kids maybe now in high school assimilate is different than the way we used to and the way our parents used to right like yeah. i remember in our parents generation it was very much like don't speak the language always Speak in English, like English words, English names, like everything, right? And now it's very, you know, it because it's cool all
0: of a yeah, sudden. Yeah, I cool. totally, yeah, I could see that for sure. When I was younger, I get so mad at my younger self sometimes because now. I talked about like when people asked me back then, like, what are you? Where are your parents from? I would kind of avoid or like deflect, right? But now, you know, whenever I introduce myself to people, I'm like, I'm Afghan and Iranian. Yeah. When I met you, I was like, before I even said my name, I'm Afghan and Iranian. Like, I feel so much pride about who I am. But I think you mentioned this really interesting point. It is like almost cool now to be able to speak different languages and, you know, grow up with different cultures in the household versus, you know, back then, I mentioned that like, I feel really angry towards like little Mariam because she was very ashamed of where she came from and didn't want to talk about those things. But then I like think about how difficult it was for us to grow up in that environment, in those circumstances, you know, because things didn't change for me until... I got to college and I had a community where I could talk about these things when I saw other people who were first generation or came from different backgrounds that didn't conform to this dominant white Christian culture, who were able to talk to me about their experiences. And even if they came from different backgrounds, it's like, oh, I've experienced that, too. I know now that that feeling has a name. And that was incredibly validating. So it's cool to talk about diversity now. But it's also kind of like a shared trauma <laughs> that we have growing up. It was not always cool. Oh, At least definitely. where like I grew up. I'm seeing this as like it's
1: acceptable now to the people quote unquote in power because it's like their approval is okay with it. Yeah. And that's why we're okay to do this. But you know, it's like, yeah, I, I remember when I was growing up in some ways that I felt like other people were more quote unquote assimilated than me. And I'm sorry to say this, but you all know me from Bundle of Hers. I've grown a lot. But I used to be like, you know, that quote unquote person's acting so white. Yeah. (laughs) Now I feel bad because I understand. Yeah. You know, now I understand that it was a protective measure, right? They were protecting themselves. They quote unquote acted white so they could feel safe and they could feel like they could do what was meant for them to do. Because, you know, the truth is someone could say that about me, too, because right. I have assimilated as well. And I, I still struggle with it. You
0: st- Don't we struggle with it still? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think it's this tricky balance, right? Like we want to embrace and be proud of our culture. Simultaneously, we live here, right? We grew up here, you know, that's going to definitely influence how we identify in our experiences. And it's so funny that you mentioned that too, Harjeet, because even yesterday, um, for all of our listeners out there, Harjeet was like, Mariam, no offense, but I can tell you grew up here, right? And it was kind of like this really funny moment, but I've gotten comments from other people like, oh, Mariam, you act so white. And it's it's something that's interesting to think about, right? Because I guess in some ways, one could say like, yes, I do... Act more Americanized the way that I speak, especially like I think about this a lot when I'm at school, like here in the med school. I'm like, I don't talk to like my peers like I talk to my family. Like, obviously, it's different, but even just like noticing like I'm a different person when I'm at school versus like how I interact with my community, like even with you, Harjeet, our, our friends, right, versus how I interact with my family. So it's different. And the, I think the easy thing to say here is when I was little, I, conformed. I assimilated out of safety. And then in college, I rejected it all. But I don't think it was fully rejecting. I think it was more just being critical and aware. Yeah. I
1: think it's beautiful you say that, Miriam, because I think there's an important distinguish. Sorry, Ah, you all know me, how I don't, I'm not good with words, whatever. Okay. (laughs) So, like I was saying, there's an important distinguishing factor, right? Mm -hmm. One is assimilation, and one is who you are with these complex identities, right? Yeah. I am Punjabi, but I'm also American. I grew up in West Valley, but now I'm in Salt Lake City, and I spend most of my time here, even though I still live in West Valley. Like, I think that not everything we do is is assimilation either. A lot of it could just be our American sides coming out, right? And I think that that's the important thing to remember. I think assimilation just feels like you're doing something out of fear. Whereas,
0: and you've touched on that a bit. It is super complicated, Mm -hmm. but I do think it would be interesting to talk about kind of like I I mentioned assimilation as like a measure of safety. And I think like when we're young, we learn that that was something that I I learned pretty quickly, like at a very young age. But also, I think it's something that we're taught by our parents, at least in my experience, it was something my parents taught me because violence is very different towards them than it was like us. Right. Right. Yes, I think there's some level of generational trauma, for sure. I know that like my parents, you know, having to kind of go through the immigration process, that was a very difficult and very traumatizing process. For anybody who's not familiar, it is very difficult. And I think like they were faced with a lot of like a lot more blatant racism and Islamophobia, to be honest, than like my brother and I experienced. Mm-hmm. Especially with legal process, right? Like yes. getting
1: papers, getting a green
0: card, getting a passport, right? becoming a citizen. Yeah. I think about this a lot of the time when I think about how I was raised, like why my parents raised me the way that I did. I think there was a lot more pressure from my parents for us to conform. They wanted us to be able to relate to our you know, classmates. They wanted us to have the same opportunities. And I think... What that meant for our parents was not wanting to speak Farsi too much outside of the home, right? You know, this is so interesting because I think I mentioned that Georgia is a very Christian state. You know, that was felt so much by my family uh, to the point where they wanted us to be raised Christian and not Muslim. You know, I went to Sunday school. I wasn't raised Muslim like my parents were, like the rest of my family was. Oh, so they they were Muslim before? Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. So like my extended family and like my parents, they grew up Muslim, right? In Iran and Afghanistan, they grew up Muslim. Coming here, especially when they like had my brother and I in Georgia, where we were from in Georgia, you know, there wasn't a huge Muslim community. And my parents were more concerned at the time with us fitting in and being safe and having some type of community. So they put us in Sunday school uh, with the intention, not necessarily for us to be Christian, but just to have that. Like have a community. Yes. And be like the rest of, you know, of the people we were going to school with who were predominantly Christian. Right. And it's interesting because it was protective. It was very much so, you know, we want you guys to have this community here you know, and I've like talked to my parents about I've talked to my mom a lot about this It's like, when we were in church, we felt so isolated, we felt we knew we were different. It wasn't just because we were the only Middle Eastern family there, right? The ways we were talked to in church, you know, people knew we were different. It just felt off. And I remember just not feeling comfortable being in that space. Um, it wasn't you know, it kind of had the opposite effect of what my parents had intended. That decision to put us in Sunday school was really born out of this trauma that my parents had gone through coming here, immigrating here and kind of like facing, yeah, the legal system and a lot of racism and just kind of growing up, even like the pressure to assimilate was felt everywhere outside of the home. But it was really interesting to feel inside of the home too, from your parents.
1: It's a kind of like to extend on that experience from my perspective, we also go to um Gurdwara or Sikh temple every weekend and I think there everyone was like you know they could fully embrace their Punjabi slash six selves yeah so I think because I had that experience every week it like solidified in me that it's okay to be who I want to be you know even though you know like I said I would judge other people for being like white and I realized that I did some things too they were just not as blatant right because it was more in an educational space that I assimilated I felt like going to Temple every week really helped me like ground myself in my community and be proud of those identities. So it was much easier for me to springboard into, you know, being open with my identities when I was in medical school. I think that like when I first met you, I don't know if I'd say like, oh, my God, she's so white because I've evolved in my thinking of all of this, too. Right. Like, I think that's an important point to make that, you know, we should give ourselves grace and also people in our community grace. Right. Yeah. Because this is just a part of who we are. Our parents did that out of fear and also to give us opportunities that our peers had as well.
0: Yeah, I try to have a lot of grace, especially for my parents, because I think a lot of immigrants who come here really subscribe to this, you know, belief that in America, anything's possible, right? And I want to give these opportunities to my kids. But the small price I have to pay is I have to put my head down when racism happens, when somebody says something racist, just, you know, I can't tell you how many times like I've heard from like my family, like, if somebody says something like racist or sexist, you know, I'm going to say something. But I can't tell you how many times people have told me, no, Mariam, just put your head down, work hard. You don't have to worry about this stuff. Right. Like, just move forward. Right. Like, like, that's the price I have to pay to make it here. Right. And if that's what assimilating is, right, is keeping your head down and, you know, not calling out the things that are problematic, that made our parents' lives difficult, you know, to me, like that's where I really, re- I draw the line. And it's a difficult conversation too, because it, this is kind of just this ongoing thing I talk about with my mom. And I realized our parents didn't have the resources and the tools we had. You and I talked about defining assimilation and talking about it in college. My parents didn't have that opportunity, right? So, you know, I also think a lot about There's a lot to be said about what tools and resources did our parents have. So I try to have some grace and compassion towards their experience and how they raised us, too, because I think they were doing the best that they could, right, with what they had and what they thought was protective. I agree with that. And I think... Overall,
1: when it comes to assimilation, there's a lot of like social and structural reasons that it exists, right? You know, it's a very complicated topic, but I think it's another tool of power that we always have to remember is carried by certain identities that have the power, right? I think that like us constantly having these conversations and trying to reject assimilating, but rather just being who we are, is something that helps us. Like we're speaking out about it now. It's a evolving conversation. I just am really excited that we were able to talk about this today.
0: Yeah. You know, it's a conversation, I think, that's ongoing, right? Even being a medical student, like I mentioned this before, but for our lovely listeners out there, you know, I introduce myself as Mariam. That is my name. That's my Persian name. But what a lot of people don't know is that my legal first name is Megan. And for a lot of my life outside of the home in school, I went by Megan. Uh, a lot of people, a lot of my friends from Georgia still call me Megan. What caused that shift? The shift to start going by Mariam. Yeah. You know, I was always called, my name was Mariam. My name is Mariam, right? That's my middle name. My Persian family calls me Mariam. I think last year, I started to kind of, I think it was actually, Harjee, I think it was around the time that I met you and like our whole crew of friends. And this is where I think community is such a huge thing in being your like most authentic self because... I always felt like I couldn't embrace like my Middle Eastern self in a lot of different spaces that I occupied. Like in medical school, there isn't even a huge community here, right? Of people who come from like a Middle Eastern background. But I think when I met you guys. You guys were very curious about like, you know, where my family was from and like my cultural upbringing. And I think that's when I started to feel more comfortable enforcing Mariam, whereas like in the past, like, you know, my partner calls me Mariam. My, my mom calls me Mariam. With my friends, I was a little bit more like, oh, you can you can call me either. Right now, like I feel a lot more comfortable enforcing, not enforcing, but like you asking see. people <laughs> to yeah. call me Mariam. Because it just feels, I feel like I can be more authentic with people. And Miriam, when I first met you,
1: I remember your name was Miriam. And sometimes, you know, people refer to you as Megan. And I was like, oh my gosh, that's the same person. People still do. Yeah. And I think that, like, I just wanted to also say the biggest reason I'm so excited you're joining Bundle of Hers. I know that this is your identity series and about assimilation, but I do want to say that, like, you, are very vocal about change, right? Like being critical and changing and evolving. And I think that was apparent in this episode, but I think these voices are needed, right? Because people will want to continue to assimilate if they feel like that's the only voice in the room, right? And this is why like all of us speak out and talk about who we are so that people feel like it's okay to be that way because we don't see a lot of messages and signals that it's okay to be quote unquote who you truly are um, until it's all of a sudden cool. I do see that and I'm like excited because I always I would have never known that about you you know unless we had this conversation.
0: Yeah and I appreciate you saying that. I think ultimately what it boils down to is identity is so complex and you know, we all have like different relationships with our upbringing and how we were pressured to act growing up and similar to you, like sometimes like I'm like oh that person is like acting like so assimilated or they're not embracing their culture why are they like this but at the end of the day, you know, having had that personal experience of like why it felt so important to conform growing up, you know, it is very complicated and I think it's always important to be aware and have these conversations. Yeah, definitely. I'm really glad that I was able to have this conversation. I think it's been a long time coming. Like I mentioned before, it's really complicated, complex, and identity is such a huge thing and such a, I think, huge part of this series. And so I'm super happy that I was able to do this with you, Harji. There's one more identity series episode um, next week, and that's going to be Lena's. So please stay tuned for that. It's going to be a really good one. Um, And thank you for listening to Bundle of Hers. You can find us... Um, Harji, where can you find us? Yeah. Wherever you listen to podcasts. Uh, <laughs> yeah, wherever
1: you listen to podcasts, this is something that, you know, you will get used to saying, but please find us at com. We are on all podcasting platforms. Um, you can also follow us on Instagram at of Um, please leave a comment on some of our cute pictures. Yes. And also see what's going on in our life. Um, so excited that So many of you all are going to join us. It's going to be so fun. Bye, friends. (laughs) Bye.